630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, here's a quick scoreboard update. Third period, Blackhawks up 3-1 on the Bruins. Abs leading Montreal 3-2. Wild up 5-4 on the Lightning. Islanders with a 2-1 edge on the Golden Knights. Coyotes leading the Flyers 1-0. Sharks and Hurricanes tied at 2. Joe Thornton with a big punch on Peter Morazic in that game. Rangers up 3-2 on the Blue Jackets. First period, no score. Jets and Stars and Sabres and Flames get underway in a few minutes. Dallas and Chicago 7-7 in the NFL tonight. Early second quarter. Raptors trailing Houston 74-69 halfway through the third quarter. Looks like Jason Moss headed to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as the uh, offensive coordinator. All right, Lana Nordland is the executive director of 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Lana. What has transpired? Well, you know, it was back and forth and back and forth. We had a lot of that today, which was fantastic, fantastic. But uh, Al ended up with uh, the $4,500, and he upped it to five, so he outbid himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the total on the day was 27450 Oh, great stuff. So that was an absolutely fantastic day, and I, I couldn't be more happy. It's, it's, it's really cool. Now, is the, is the online auction, what's happening with it? Well, the online auction closes at 8 o'clock today. Okay. Um, but keep in mind, folks, we do have extended bidding. So if there's a couple people that are bidding against each other as we approach 8 o'clock, uh, if somebody bids at 1 minute to 8, there has to be 5 minutes where there's no bidding. So the, oh. sometimes the bidding could go past 8 o'clock if there's a couple people in there that are bidding okay on the same item well lana you do such incredible work with santa's anonymous thanks for sticking around all day and uh, is anybody else you want to thank i know you have other well, people Janine here working and hard linda and brennan we had a lot of folks helping and of course all all you on-air folks and the operators we couldn't do it without you that's for sure and delivery day is next saturday already it's uh yeah a week Two days Saturday from now, the 14th, yeah, the, Saturday yeah. the 14th. You don't need to register. You just show up, and drivers remember to bring your driver's license and insurance into Santa's Depot with you. Lana, thank you so much, and uh, thanks to everybody who, who bid today, and uh, the Sports Lovers Package is, is incredible. Awesome it is. stuff. It is. Thank you. Lana Good night. Nordland from 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched. The Oilers had an optional practice today. Only eight players were on the ice. Two of them were Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Cassian. Nude says no timeline for his return. Cassian said for sure he's playing tomorrow against L.A. or Sunday against Buffalo. Pleased to be joined in studio. I was, I was struggling with your title. Oh, don't like I don't want to call you. I want to give you something better than NHL Insider. That's it's John Shannon. Okay, but like you, you spent most of your years as uh, a guy who couldn't keep a job, programming guru. No, no, I was. uh, For instance, I was the executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, I was uh, the executive producer of the Canadian Football Network. I was a senior producer at seven Olympics, executive producer of an Olympics, uh, you know, executive vice president of the National Hockey League. Uh, 
And a broadcaster. Well, see, that's great. Yeah. That's what I wanted. It doesn't wanted. all fit in the card. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Well, it doesn't all fit in the card, so I just, I, so, I'm just a storyteller now. Wide-ranging career. Yeah, I couldn't keep a job. That's <laughs> that's not true. You were so good. Everybody wanted you to work for them. <laughs> well, there's, it, see, Reed, the, the reason I like coming on with you is it, the cup is always half full. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, thank you. Okay, so i got to ask you that. So you're a, you're a young John Shannon. Oh, uh, baby Yoda. Yeah, you're a baby, you're a baby Yoda. Yeah. Have you watched The Mandalorian, by the way? I haven't watched it. I just know. No, the only thing I've watched on Apple Plus now is uh, I've watched uh, The Morning Show. Oh, how is that? It's good. Jennifer Is that Aniston's the Jennifer Aniston one? Yeah. If she's in it, it's got to be good. All right. So you're a young baby Yoda John Shannon. Yeah. You're living in Oliver, B.C. I am. And at what point did you think, hey, sports broadcasting might be pretty cool? Twelve. That early, eh? Yeah. You can do it. And, and, you know, I grew up in a town, uh, like you grew up in a small town, one TV channel. And we didn't even have two TV channels. We oh, had we one had two TV. at least. Yeah, we had one. <laughs> and uh, But radio was magic. Radio was absolutely spectacular. And I used to, on a nightly basis, particularly in the summertime, I, sitting in, in my backyard, I could get 6.30 Chet. On my radio, I could get CFCN in Calgary. I could get CKNW and CFUN from Vancouver. I could get KIRO from Seattle. I could get, you know, I could get everything. KGO in San Francisco. On a good day, if the cloud cover was perfect, I got radio stations in Los Angeles. Wow. So I became a true radioaholic. And I just loved it. I could, it was, to me, the magic of sitting in a little town north of the border and being able to listen to Chick Hearn or at, in those days and when I was a kid, Jiggs McDonald was the voice of the L.A. Kings. Man, oh, man. And, and I knew then that it, it, it hooked me uh, to that point. I had my own radio show on, a, on our, our small radio station, Mondays and Fridays, talking about high school sports. So you were doing that in high school already? Grade 8, yeah. Grade 8, you were yeah. talking about the older kids. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and, uh, and, and when I was, we didn't have a hockey arena in my town. So the biggest sport in town was, was basketball. We, we could put 800 people into our gym every Saturday night during basketball season. And I was, you know, I was, I, w- I was the tallest kid on the grade 8 team, and I was the shortest kid uh, on the senior basketball team by the time I got to grade 12. And uh, I made a deal with the, the coach. I said, listen, I think we can sell our games and get advertising and put the games on the radio station. Would you be interested in doing that? I'm still playing on the team. And my deal with him was, if I could do it, I could I could take time off from the team and do the play-by-play. Right. That was, so I did. And that was, that was in my high school year. And then I went to Vancouver for a while and then went to Toronto to go to Ryerson. It's now a university as a broadcaster. Right. And the rest, in many ways, is history. But I started working when I was 18 years old at Hockey Night in Canada. Now... When you were when you were a kid in Oliver, there was uh, no NHL. No, in there was only Calgary, six. Vancouver. It was, was still original. Who was the number, who was the most popular team out in For, BC? Uh, oh, either, it was either Toronto or Montreal because yeah. that was the only game you got on Saturday night. Right, uh, five o'clock or in those when I was really young, been, six. Yeah. It was six o'clock because you only got the second two, the second and third periods. Oh, I, that's right. They so, so you you, game, you yeah. prayed for a fight. You 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 would sit there, and you'd be your mom would bring out the hamburgers and you'd, the TV tables. The only time the TV tables got used, Reed, was Saturday nights, and uh, you would sit there and pray that Eddie Shack got in a fight, or John Ferguson from Montreal got in a fight, so you might see the last two minutes of the first period, and, and that was that was how it all started. So, how do you get a job with Hockey Night in Canada when you're 18? I camped. Uh, I camped in the office. For about 50 days. 
Um, I, I, I tell kids who are in school, whether it be at Nate or, or at schools in Ontario, being a student in our business is a ticket. It's a ticket. Use the ticket to get in every door you can. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'd like to come and talk to you. That's the ticket. And I did that at Hockey Night in Canada. I want to come in and ask you questions. Their office happened to be two blocks from where I was living. Uh, and I went in and, and I talked to one of the guys that was there and he said, hey, come anytime. So I did, every day, for 50 days. And every Monday to Friday after school, I walked up to the office and sat in the lobby. And, and on about the 52nd day, the president of the company walked out and said, young man, if you work here, you have to wear a shirt and tie. I said, Mr. Huff, I don't work here. He says, you do now. And that's how I really started. 10 bucks a game on Wednesdays, 10 bucks a game on Saturdays. And a baby blue jacket. And what were you doing? Well, it's funny, in those days, and I, 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 I'm not sure how it works now, to be honest, but in those days, the low man on the pole was the guy that talked to the players to book the guests. So I was basically dealing on a regular basis every Wednesday and every Saturday with every member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are now lifelong friends. Daryl Sittler, Lanny McDonald, uh, uh, you know, Ian Turnbull, all those guys, the visiting teams. Because you would say, hey, Daryl, we're going to talk to you after the first period. He'd say, okay. And by the eighth week, he knows my name. And so that was in 1977 or 78. All right, so you're doing that. Like you said, you're, you're a low man on the totem pole. Great, best job I ever had. Better than all the big yeah, jobs no, you listed no, Yeah, off. no pressure because it was just fun. Well, and you're, you're just right. a kid. And, and I mean, I thought I'd, hit, I thought I'd hit a home run. I thought that was, I can't imagine doing anything more than this. It was just the best. So when did you start doing something where, okay, now, now you're a leader. Now you're making broadcast decisions. You're hiring talent, firing talent. Well, I don't know if you ever fired anybody. You yeah, might it's not have. fun. It's not fun. But um, actually quite quickly, um, uh, cause, because I, I got really lucky, right place at the right time. The, the, the four teams for the WHA were coming into the NHL in 79. I graduated from university in 78. Um, it, it, it became quite obvious that I was a statsaholic, uh, that I loved sitting talking about the game. Uh, I was free and easy to travel on the weekend so I started I started to get offers to go and work on uh, on TV shows hockey shows in Boston and Detroit for our company uh, which was then called Canadian Sports Network which is Hockey Night in Canada uh, and I'd, I'd fly down on Friday night and do a game in the afternoon and fly home Saturday night and do the Maple Leaf game right it was just it was magical it was I mean and I was like I was barely out of my teens um, and then one day a producer said, come and sit in the truck with me. Uh, so I sat in the truck and we talked and I said, well, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And about three weeks later, he says, okay, you're going to produce this game now. And so that was 70, that was the spring of 79. And so when the Oilers came in in, in October of 79, um, I, you know, the game in Chicago, then I was with the Jets in Pittsburgh for their first game, and it, and then I started traveling a lot in November of that year and have been traveling ever since. <laughs> I've been staying at the Weston Hotel in Edmonton. Right. The Weston Hotel in Edmonton, <laughs> who have been great to me since November of 1979. I've been staying at that hotel. That's incredible. Yeah. And I used to be able to park my car from the rental place, park my car right at the front, and they'd never move it. <laughs> Because I was here, I was here <laughs> four days awesome. a week. I was here four days a week for all those years in the '80s. It was remarkable. Yeah. 
John Shannon is in studio. He's going to be with us uh, until about 7:45. We're, we'll probably bring him I, back I'm going to keep my shirt on too, okay? Then then we're going to have then we'll find out if Chris Strevler from the Bombers is is wearing a shirt. Uh, just from what you told me, I got a whole bunch of questions in mind. Uh, I, I don't really know what John and I are going to talk about. The the broadcasting stuff I find interesting. If you find it interesting, you can call or text with a question. Yeah. 780-496-0063. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. More with John Shannon. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Good to have you tuning in tonight. John Shannon in studio, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Tomorrow, Oilers Kings, 530 face-off show, our game at 7. We're having a great time here with uh, John Shannon. He was told you about the uh, the beginnings of his, <laughs> his broadcasting career, which is which is really cool. I I, I just want to because you and I talk. You I mean you're you're kind of mainly known as a hockey guy, uh, but you mentioned something when you listed off your your resume, your mm-hmm. quick version of the resume, mm-hmm. the Canadian Football Network. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I remember watching these games. Yep. And I'll just because you said you had one channel. I'll just tell you quickly. So Evansburg's 100 kilometers west. Sure. We got CTV Edmonton and CBC Edmonton, mm-hmm. and we could get ITV. So in my world, in my world, that was er- channels. In my world, that was Ernie Amaganis and Al McCann. Right, right. So, so we had to turn our aerial, and then we could get ITV Edmonton. And I think the Canadian Football Network was on ITV. Okay, so I, I want you to educate people because in the in now the multi-channel universe, this is a concept that might be difficult for some people to understand. Well, you know, it, the the 1986 CTV, uh, where CFRN or whatever it's called now here, CFRN, used to broadcast half of the CFL schedule, uh, and they had a contract dispute with the with the CFL and walked away from CFL football. And Doug Mitchell, who was the commissioner at the time, happened to be uh, a friend of mine. Uh, I lived in Calgary at that point. And uh, we got talking one day, and, and Doug said, well, what are we going to do? I says, well, let's create our own network. He says, what do you mean? I said, well, it's only television. It's not that hard. But, but we can build a group of stations, because we had already done the group of stations independently across the country with local hockey. Winnipeg, are, you know, had an independent station, CKND, uh, CHCH in Hamilton, which is which a which was a big signal in southern Ontario. We we could we could build a TV network from coast to coast in eight of the nine CFL cities at that point. Uh, the only one we couldn't do was Montreal, and the good thing was they folded the night before the season that's, that's started. Right. <laughs> so we were okay. The Concord <laughs> folded. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the late great Jim Hole by then owned the team. Right, uh, an Edmontonian, yeah. and Norm Kimball was there for that that little time. So we built a we built a a TV network which was just designed to create. Heck, uh, we did forty five or forty six football games a year. Friday nights before Friday night football was on TSN, and Sunday afternoons, and we did uh, uh, two playoff games. We did either the we- the West semi and the East final, or vice versa. CBC did the other side, and then we sim- We did our own version of the Grey Cup. <laughs> Uh, and we did every. There was we had no TV studios though. We had no studios, so we did everything from the stadium, including run the commercials. 
We ran all the commercials right from the TV mobile on a separate tape machine. Really? Oh, yeah. We did everything. We were a standalone operation, and we were like a band of brothers. And we had so much fun. Neil Lumsden, who was the former Eskimo, was a big part of it. Bob Irving out of Winnipeg. Dave Hodge was one of our I was going to ask, wasn't, didn't Dave Hodge? Dave Hodge and Bob Irving split. Neil was our single color man. Then we added Nick Bastia uh, a little right. later on as one of our color men. And, we, and uh, Paul Graham, who's an Edmontonian, who's a, a big wheel now. He's actually in the CFL Hall of Fame now because of it. Uh, but Paul Graham uh, was a big part of what we did with the Canadian Football Network in 87, 88, 89, and 90. And it was so much wow, fun. Wow, yeah, I remember. Yeah, well, I didn't even realize it lasted for that long, but I definitely, that's yeah, the other year. Paid a lot I of was, bills. That was high school for me. Okay, so that was after Hodge did the pen yeah. flip and got yeah. let go? Yeah. Were you involved in that decision? No, I had been fired the year before. <laughs> Jeez. I know I'd been fired the year before because I had done. Game seven of Calgary versus Edmonton and Steve Smith's goal off Grant Fuhrer's pad. Yeah. Uh, and the network wanted me to get off in seven minutes. And we had, a, we had three minutes of commercials, and we had gone six and a half minutes, and we hadn't even got to handshakes yet in the, at the end. And we, so we hadn't interviewed any players. We hadn't done anything. And there was no... This was the biggest sporting event in Western Canada of the decade. Of the decade, For Calgary sure. beating Edmonton, the Stanley Cup champions. In that way. In that way. The greatest hockey rivalry in my mind of that time. Better than Islanders-Rangers, better than Toronto-Montreal, but in the 1980s, Calgary-Edmonton Calgary was the best rivalry. So I said, no, we can't go off the air. I, and I said, I, I'll take the consequences, and uh, I got fired. Okay, but so that game probably would have started at 7.30 Mountain Time. No, I it, well, it might have been seven, or it might have been seven. I can't what remember. Did they, it was April thirtieth, nineteen eighty-six. Why did they? What did they want to get to? Was it the national Star Trek? Okay, so I guess <laughs> I can understand then. <laughs> so it, it, it was it was ludicrous. They changed the after after what I did in one year, and after what Hodge did with the pen flip the next year, they changed the rules. The interesting thing about the Hodge situation was, I was gone from hockey night. I had been hired the following year by Global Television, uh, which is obviously now ITV, to produce their version of Stanley Cup playoffs. So I didn't really miss a beat. So I'm sitting at home in Calgary after having done the Briar here in Edmonton with TSN, and I'm watching Hodge flip his pen. 20 minutes later, my phone rings, and it's Hodge. And he says, you got a job for me? I said, yep, I do, Bob. I do. You're going to be hosting hockey, and you're going to host the Stanley Cup playoffs on Global. He says, you're kidding. I said, no, we'll hire you right now. So we did. He got, and he got fired right after the game. I, I, nah, he told he didn't, me that story, he didn't, but he, he knew he was... No, nah, his contract was structured. He got suspended indefinitely, and as soon as they didn't pay him for a Saturday, it was breach of contract. So they fired him. So... Dave was here, I think, for the re- the Oilers. I think maybe the greatest team. Yeah, he and I, he and I did that show together. R- right, and I, th- I I met him, and we just sat on a couch and did an interview. And he told that story, and then I went back and watched the video. It's so lame that he got fired for that. I mean, he didn't throw his pencil. He didn't really flip the pencil. He just kind of turns his wrist, and it flips over. Pen, pen. Sorry. He's first to correct and what And I guess, what did he say? He said, I don't know why we're doing this or something and like that. And so. ma- it makes you wonder who's making decisions that, on this network. That's what he said. And so it was, so the, it was the, more the, the verbiage than the action. The pen, go on YouTube. It's there every day. <laughs> YouTube's never going away. John Shannon sticking around. 
after the 7.30 news and uh, Chris Strebler from the Bombers is coming up as well. We are giving away two tickets to the Oilers game tomorrow. You will have to answer a trivia question live on air. Get in line now, 780-496-0063. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. We have a few more minutes with John Shannon and then uh, Chris Strevler, who's been enjoying life as a Great Cup champion, coming up as well. We have two tickets to the Oilers and Kings tomorrow. Now, here's the, the trivia question, and Robin, I'm going to let you know you're up first when I bring you in live. I, I want you to tell me which Oiler this is speaking, and you have to have the first and last name, and that in itself should be a bit of a hint. Here's the clip. Still thought it was a goal until I got to the bench, and they said they, they might challenge it. So it was uh, tough, but uh, at least we won the game, so that was good. All right, Robin, you have 10 seconds. Which Oiler was that speaking? Patrick Russell. Robin, you're a genius. Has anybody ever told you that? No. <laughs> well, you won tickets, and you were called a genius. That's a pretty good night. Right on, thank you. Patrick Russell, the Great Dane. Yes. What do you think of the team so far this year, Robin? I like what I see. Um, we need to get some of those injured guys back, and uh, maybe maybe a third-line sender. Yeah, I hear you. Stay on the line, okay? Kellen's going to take down your info and let you know about the tickets, okay? Thank you. Right on top of it, that was Patrick Russell talking about the disallowed goal Sunday in Vancouver. Quickly do the scoreboard here, John. Boston has caught up against Chicago, which is surprising. Three going eh? overtime. <laughs> what did they get? Uh, yeah, three in the third. So DeBrincat scored first minute of the third to make it three nothing. Boston rallies. Avalanche up three two on the Canadians. By late. the way, that's uh, that's Creighton Primo and that's uh, right. Creighton Primo in goal. No uh, no price. Uh, Primo's playing because Kincaid's gone to Laval to for a uh, to get some reps. Wild lead. Uh, Wild have beaten the Lightning five four. What is going on? The Lightning in Tampa? are thirteen ten and three. Not a great the, record. Yeah, sounds like the Maple Leafs. In overtime, Vegas and Islanders tied two two. Sharks and Hurricanes are going to overtime, tied two two. Rangers beat the Blue Jackets three two. Coyotes up three one on the Flyers. That one's almost over. Stars with a one nothing lead on the Jets after the first, and Buffalo with an early one nothing lead on Calgary. Sam Reinhart taking one pick Ooh. ahead of Leon Draisaitl has his tenth of the season. Well, and we're going to see the other great one two pick on Sunday too between McDavid and Eichel. So, and Jack Eichel is finally playing as a superstar. It's going to be fun to watch. NFL last minute of the first half bears up 10-7 on the Cowboys and Houston leads the Raptors 113-103 six and a half minutes left Fear the beard in the uh, fourth quarter uh, this texture says the best rivalry of the 80s was Montreal and Quebec Edmonton and Calgary wasn't close oh and hold on you know Montreal Quebec was an outstanding rivalry outstanding rivalry but we live in Alberta Come on, we live in Alberta. Well, maybe that person Calgary lived in Quebec at the time. Yeah, well, you know, but we're in Alberta. All right, this is great. Yeah, Calgary and studio. Edmonton actually played at more playoff series than Quebec and Montreal did at that point. That's why, I mean, there was a lot more playoff series that the Oilers dominated for the most part. Top of my head, Quebec and Montreal played thrice in the 80s? I think so. And I think Calgary, if you count the 1990 series, I think it's five times for Edmonton. Or the, uh, or the 91 series. The 91 series. That was an epic series. 
That's the best series I've ever seen. So Mark Askin, who is a, one of the great producers in Hockey Night in Canada history, too, we have a debate. I produced the 86 series. He produced the 91 series. We have this debate all the time. Which series was better? And one was Esatikinen's... 91 was better. Because the Oilers won. Because the Oilers won, and the hockey was insane. Like, the animosity was... Crazy. Absolutely genuine. Yeah. It was absolutely genuine. No question. Okay, so... All right, we're covering a lot of stuff. I got I got to get some of the the Raptors talk in with you that you you did some stuff for what yeah. was it NBA TV Canada? I, well, I, I we put NBA TV Canada on there. That was one of my jobs. We started. I was employee number one. Oh, really? Yeah. So so we had, we had two TV channels. We launched in two thousand and one. One was it was called Raptors NBA TV then. That's now NBA TV Canada, and Leafs TV, which was a, a regional TV station that carried twenty four seven Maple Leaf coverage. Well, like, people, like, people in Alberta would have loved that channel. Actually, you know what? We had a lot of demand from people across the country to have it, but we couldn't do it because of all the rights that exist. Oh, right, okay. So, you know, it's it's the future. You know, that's what uh, that's what MSG Network is. That's what Yes Network in sure, for the yeah. Yankees is. Uh, you know, having a, having a regional channel about 100% content, it was uh, fun to do. Okay, so the Raptors are bigger now than ever because they pulled a whole bunch of new fans in because they had an awesome team yeah. and they won. Yeah. When when you were doing that, give me a sense of where they were at support and enthusiasm wise. There was a heart it's it's I would put the Raptors at that point comparable to a lot of NHL teams in the United States compared to basketball. So for instance, you go to Chicago in those days or even now, if you go to Chicago now, the Blackhawks have a really hearty fan base. It's not big, but they're loyal, and they fill United Center, And but they don't draw the ratings even that the Bulls do, and the Bulls aren't very good, and obviously the, either the baseball teams do. That's what the Raptors were. They were, there was a, there was a, a good 125,000 Canadians that watched the Raptors on a regular basis. And until they got to last year and, and Kawhi joined the club, it was never going to be anything other than that. But people like winners. And the bandwagon got bigger and bigger. It went from four wheels to 18 wheels to 36 wheels. And now it'll be interesting to see how this team can manifest it into consistency. When the Raptors go 20 and 62, and believe it or not, they will at some point yeah, go sure. 20 and 62, because that's life. Will all those fans that fell in love with basketball across the country, not just in Toronto, but across the country, will they stick with the team? That's going to be the question. This texture says, best hockey rivalry of the 80s, the Oilers against Ron Hextall's stick. <laughs> it was not, it was, it was something, you know, that was, he, he, Montreal, he, he got Montreal the series before too, if you recall. Yeah. He went after, oh, yeah. I think it was Chelly on the far side. He yeah, went he after just Chris chased Chelly, him. just yeah. chased him. And then he got Ulf uh, in front of the net, right? Yeah. Ulf Nilsson. Uh, or no, uh, what was the name? Uh, Kent. Kent. Kent Nielsen. Nielsen sorry. Yes, sorry. Kent Nielsen. I should know that. Um, and that. Uh, by the way, you know who Kent Nielsen's married to? A little ter- trivia question here. Oh no. Helen Elfordson, the golfer. Oh really? Yeah, oh, caddies for her every once in a while. They play. He's a pretty good golfer too. Anyway, I just know that kind of stupid stuff. That's my. Well, that's job. not stupid. Well, I said we were going to do a bunch of trivia. So, so <laughs> that's right. But that was the '87 final and the '87 playoffs when when Hextall won the Conn Smythe and didn't win the cup. And the next guy to do that was it Jaguar in 03? 
Probably. I think so. I have to. I I can't think back that far anymore. Read at my age. It's well. It, 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 take, it, it, it takes a it takes a sense. You have to actually I, go back and. I know. Track See, I, I remembered about sports when I was younger because I had fewer years to remember. When you're 20, it's like, well, I remember everything back to when I was six. That's only 14 years. Now I'm 45. That's more years to remember. Uh, John, this was great. We are, we are. I mean, you're going to be on the face-off show tomorrow okay. on Sunday. Yep. And when you're back in Edmonton, we'll get you in studio because I know people really appreciate uh, the stories about the the broadcasting industry and some some of the memories of. And I, I'd like to ask you more just about changes in technology and your sure. take on how the NFL used television to become king because like you mentioned that the popularity of the sports in chicago and american cities sure. but the nfl's one every number one everywhere isn't it except maybe yankees are number one maybe well, no, the, maybe NFL, the nfl's on the, a nfl's on a level that's by what i mean you don't level even it's like when you rank them it's like well okay after the nfl of course but for one reason NFL, but for one reason gambling great point so i mean and 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 everybody shares their everybody shares the tv money equally and that's not the case in any of the other sports. Yeah, and that's what. That's, and that's what the New York Giants got that right. What in the sixties? Sixty-four. The New York Giants, who were the biggest team, the most popular team, drove the league. The owner of the team, Wellington Merrill, walked in and said, "I will share with the rest of you." And that changed. New York shares with Green Bay, a population of sixty-five thousand. That changed the whole thing. John, we'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Okay. Great Cup champion Chris Strevler. When we get back. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. Well, despite blowing a 3-0 lead, the Blackhawks get the win, 4-3 over the Bruins in overtime. Awesome to have John Shannon in studio. More with him on the Faceoff show tomorrow. That's at 5.30, and then the game broadcast at 7, Oilers and Kings. It's been a party in Winnipeg for the last week and a half. They are finally Grey Cup champions. Pleased to be joined on the line by quarterback Chris Strevler. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's nice to have you on the show. Congratulations on winning the Grey Cup with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I guess I have to start here, Chris. I hope you don't mind. Are you currently wearing a shirt? (laughs) I currently am wearing a shirt. I'm in the process of driving to South Dakota right now, so I'm fully clothed at the moment. Okay. Well, your, your celebrations made a lot of news with the Grey Cup, and I checked this afternoon. Your Wikipedia page does not feature you in a Winnipeg Blue Bombers jersey. It has you at the parade shirtless holding up the Grey Cup. Were you aware that somebody had updated your your Wikipedia page to that photo? (laughs) You know, I was not aware, but I'm also not surprised because that's literally all people have been talking to me about this week. It's like, where's the fur coat? Why do you have a shirt on? Where's the cigar? I'm just like, man, I'm at Costco. Like, I can't, I need a shirt on, you know? So it's been pretty funny. Well, it's, uh, I mean, you, you got to celebrate it. In your football career, um, you, you know, even going back to when you were a kid, how many championships have you won? How many times have you had a chance to celebrate being the best team at the end of the year? Uh, well, the last time I won one was, was eighth grade, uh, playing for the St. Mary's Fighting Irish, and we beat the Crystal Lake Raiders. And that was the last time, eighth grade. So it's definitely been a been a long time and man there's there's no better feeling in the world that was uh something that is hard to even put into words well good for you guys and obviously a third place team winning the great cup had not happened since our edmonton eskimos did it in 2005 just 
take me through that playoff run, winning in a couple of uh, tough buildings, you know, Calgary and, and in Regina, and then obviously taking on a 15-3 team in the Grey Cup and, and being pretty dominant in that game. How come you guys just started clicking for you guys so much at the end? You know, like you said, obviously it was it was a tough road going going on the road to both those places and having to play Hamilton. Um, you know, the whole season it was it was it was kind of up and down. We had a lot of adversity and things that we went through, but I think within our locker room, we we all knew the type of team that we had. We all knew the type of players that we had. So, although from the outside looking in, yeah, it, it's tough for a third place team to go on the road and do those things. We we knew that the adversity that we had went through that season had prepared us for to be in the perfect position. So. You know, we, we definitely embraced that and knew knew the road was going to be tough. But like I said, adversity was something that we had come in contact with a lot that season, so it was nothing new for us. Well, the just the quarterback position, uh, you know, it was you and Matt Nichols. Matt got injured. Uh, Kalaros comes in quite late in the season. Just what was it like being a quarterback this season, you know, seeing what happened to Matt? you having the reins and then about Zach fitting in just there was a lot to deal with just in your little unit yeah definitely a lot to deal with you know I mean like I said so many things went on this year that were so different and you know Matt going it going down and then me stepping in and then me kind of going down and Zach stepping in and things like that and you know it's just at the end of the day though we it's such the group is made up of such high quality people that just want to see the team win at the end of the day you know, everyone, everyone wants to be on the field. Everyone wants to be doing those things. But when Matt got injured, he was the best possible teammate he could have been. When Zach came in, he was the best teammate he could have been. And, and from my perspective, it was, for me, it was always just about, you know, winning, winning football games. So that's, that's the mindset that everyone in that room had. And it was honestly such a pleasure just to get to work with those guys on a daily basis. Chris, you're a very unique player in the Canadian Football League. You, you, play in every game um you know you're not always the, the starting quarterback you you go in in certain situations uh, some people you know and i'm sure you've heard this you get critiqued well maybe he doesn't throw well enough but he can go in there and run just tell me a little bit about how you're used how you've sort of embraced that and do you care at all about the perception that you know media and fans might have of you outside of winnipeg no <laughs> Honestly, I don't care what people outside of outside of our program think or have to say about not only me but our teammates. We got a lot of belief in the guys in the locker room, and you know, like you said, I mean, my uh, my role is a bit unique with you know some of the running stuff that I do, and you know, catching passes and and you know even throwing. I mean, so you know, I, I really it doesn't bother me that people think that you know whatever they want to say. You know, it doesn't bother me at all because at the end of the day. We won the championship. We were productive. We moved the football, you know, uh, with, with me out, with me in the game, and with me not in the game. So, you know, it doesn't bother me too much what people say. It's just about winning football games and, and moving the football. Well, and I'm glad you threw that in there because I wanted to ask about that. You also caught a pass in in the in the Grey Cup. How ex, uh, how excited were you when that play was called? And tell me about executing it. Well, I was pretty excited. I knew that uh, given the given the situation, it was probably coming up soon. And we called it, and Darwin made a you know made a good throw. I was actually supposed to kind of run a wheel route, but uh, there was a guy just kind of sitting over the top of me, so I just sat it down, and he and he just put it on me. And I don't know, I think we got like 15 yards or something on it, which which isn't anything crazy, but for a second and one play, it's nice to be able to get 15 yards on that. So, yeah, you know, I guess someone told me after the game it was the first quarterback to catch a pass in the Grey Cup or something like that, which is 
you know, kind of unique for a game that's 107 years old. But, uh, you know, just so much credit to, you know, Lapo and Buck, the way that they game plan that stuff. I mean, they do a great job of being creative with different things and utilizing guys' strengths. And, you know, that was just one of the unique ways that we were able to get the ball, get the ball moving. You mentioned Paul LaPolice, offensive coordinator for the Bombers, who his name has been connected to a couple of teams as uh, maybe a head coaching candidate, including here in Edmonton. What can you say about uh, about about playing with uh, LaPolice and uh, maybe the impact he had on you personally? Yeah, well, I mean, LaPolice was uh, the first person I talked to with the Bombers when uh, they first reached out back in December two years ago. So. You know, he, him and I have definitely grown in our relationship over the past two years, and we've got a great relationship. I mean, he sits in, sits in with us every quarterback meeting and does such a great job of just game planning and stuff for us. And like I said, utilizing guys' strengths on the offense and putting guys in positions to be successful. So he loves getting the play, ball in playmakers' hands, spreading the ball around, and is extremely smart, works extremely hard. And, you know, it's been fun getting to work with him the last two years. Chris Reveler joining us tonight at Inside Sports, Grey Cup champ with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You, you grew up in the more northern United States. Were you aware of the Canadian Football League even even as a kid and that maybe someday down the road it might be a, an option for you? I'm just curious because I know I interview a lot of players from maybe more south of the United States. They, they didn't know about the CFL until yeah. their agent maybe told them to take a look. What, what about for you? You know what? I didn't know. I didn't know a whole heck of a lot about the CFL growing up. Um, I, I didn't never really watch the game or anything like that. But I did. I did start to follow it a little bit more my senior year because uh, uh, Drew Waltarski was. You know, it's been noted that he's one of my good friends and one of our my teammates in Winnipeg. And I saw that he got signed, and so he was actually the first person I reached out to when Lapo reached out to me. And I was just like, Hey, man, are you still in Winnipeg? They seem interested. And, and then that's when I really kind of took to it and looked into things and. I honestly didn't even know where Winnipeg was when I, when they called me, and I was only a couple hours south in, in Sioux Falls. So, um, obviously, my knowledge of the game has grown exponentially since then, and you know, I, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that the CFL and the Bombers have given me to get to play professional football and live my dream. Well, and I was reading some stories about you this afternoon. You're a free agent, but you've done something that maybe is a little unusual because a lot of players – look forward to free agency and then the chance to you know maximize their the, their earning potential maybe playing time uh but you've come out and said i i want to be a bomber i don't want to change teams how come you've taken that approach and you know relatively early here in the process well it's just that's just how i feel i mean i love i love playing for osh i love the coaching staff man like i i just i would do anything for those guys and you know, not only them, but also my teammates. Like, it's such a great locker room to be a part of with so many great veterans and guys that genuinely love each other and care about each other. And, you know, I love the city. The fans have definitely embraced us, embraced the team, and just a great place to be. So um, that's kind of just why I've taken that stance and just said that I love it there. If it's, if it's possible on their end, I would love to be back. You know, some of that business stuff probably has to be worked out, and, you know, hopefully it's, hopefully it's possible because, uh, like I said, I, I would love to be back. Chris, again, congratulations on winning the Grey Cup. Uh, quite early in your career, you've already become part of Grey Cup and CFL lore, so good for you for doing that. I started with a question about your shirt. I'm going to end with this one. What is the status of your beard right now? The beard's still going strong. beard is still going strong. I, I, I had some thoughts about shaving it off after the season, but... Uh, 
I think I'm going to let it ride for a little bit and just and let it go. I, I, it's kind of part of my look now, so I think I just have to roll with it. <laughs> Chris, thank you for your time. Safe travels home. Right, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, that's one of the most interesting players in the CFL, Chris Strevler, quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's been soaking it in in Winnipeg for almost two weeks since they won. Now he's heading home to the U.S. And, uh, yes, he, he was wearing a shirt for that interview, which is great. Though I, I guess it's radio. He could have just said whatever he wanted. Let's take a final look at the scoreboard. The Oilers no longer in first place in the Pacific Division. The Coyotes jump ahead of the Oilers with a 3-1 win over the Flyers. Islanders beat the Golden Knights 3-2 in overtime. The Wild knock off the Lightning 5-4. Avalanche beat the Canadians 3-2. Chicago in overtime drops the Bruins 4-3. Hurricanes get by the Sharks 3-2 in a shootout. Rangers beat Columbus 3-2. After one, it's 1-1 between the Sabres and the Flames. And the Stars are up 2-0 on the Jets halfway through the game. Thursday night football, 17-7. Chicago leading Dallas at the half. And last minute of the fourth quarter, Houston up 119-109 on the Raptors. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Your studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. I will join you from Studio 99 tomorrow at 5.30 for the City Ford Faceoff Show to tee up the Oilers and the Kings. The game broadcast will start at 7. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Adler is next. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.